Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
Podcart. Welcome to another podcast and welcome to the best guests in the world. <laughs> Bossy Love. Oh my god. Hi. Hi. So John and Amanda. What an intro. I, I know. know. <laughs> How are you? Great. We're really good. Thank you for coming in. I really appreciate this. Um, yeah. Slightly, I say this to everyone that does a podcast, but it's because I've just been picking people that are amazing. So I'm slightly <laughs> overwhelmed once again. This has been a, an incredible year so far for you guys. Um, I guess I've opened the, the podcast with, with one of your tracks, but we're, you've, I've asked you both to pick four songs each. Um, John, you've gone for the most obscure songs in the world. No, I, ha- I swear to God, I haven't. No, no, I'm not having it. I'll, I haven't picked my last one yet. I'm going to go for okay. like, like something really like whatever the like Ben Crosby, like, <laughs> White Christmas. <laughs> um, we should probably just kind of give a brief that brief historical introduction as to how you guys um, met. Um, yeah. And, and how Bossy Love came into fruition. So, tell us. I was on tour with Dan and Anna Aykroyd and we went to Dundee to support the Future Heads and we got told that we were playing with this band, Operator Please. And we were like, oh cool, they're from Australia, great. And then there were six of us. So ev- wherever we went, everyone was terrified of us. Like these six like loud, uh, crazy Scottish people. But it was five of them, and they were all really loud and annoying as well. So, <laughs> so I go into the dressing room, and we and I'm like, "Hi, we're sharing this room with you." Oh, well, it wasn't like that. Oh, it don't was, do the impression. Oh, no, right. Okay, fine. <laughs> so, Can you do the impression? No, it's really you make me sound like an old Indian woman. Well, <laughs> no, you were just like this door bursts open. It's a young John Bailey Jr. with his hood up, oh. and he goes. Hi, I'm John from Dan and Nat cried and we're sharing this dressing room with you. <laughs> and I was like, hi! <laughs> and five minutes later, I was sitting on Amanda's knee and we were like best pals. Yeah. And I can't stress enough how tired I was constantly touring and how much I couldn't be asked with anyone. And it was like, we need to be like best friends now, that's it. Yeah. And then we didn't see each other for like... Months. Oh no! What, uh, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't that long. No, it was a couple months, and then I had a show here at King Tut's. Yeah. And these guys got me so steaming before the show. Oh my god! And they made me like say, try and be Scottish between each song, and I was so drunk that <laughs> my sound guy turned down my guitar because I was playing a semitone out. Like incidentally, we it. we walked into Tut's, and <laughs> the band were walking on stage, and we just came into Tut's. And our tour manager like grabbed her and put a guitar on her and threw her on the stage. <laughs> and she was like, okay. <laughs> it was such a good show though. The crowd were mental. I used to love coming to Scotland because the crowd was always mental. And yeah. how many times had you been here before? Like four or five. Yeah. So quite oh, it, the Barfly was like where we played. Oh my God, I loved the Barfly. Yeah. Because so like, we did so many tours. We were yeah. on like the Enemy tour. Then we did the Gonzo tour. Oh yeah. And... Uh, and then, like, <clears throat> Levi's want to watch tour. So oh, we were, yeah. like, th- just those three times alone, we were always in Glasgow. That's crazy. But that's how we met. <laughs> and, sh- and straight away, we were making music. Yeah. Actually, we just walked past the flat I used to live in, and we we made, like, two songs that yeah. day. Yeah. Which still no one's heard. Heard. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, so, Amanda went back to Australia, and our album cycles 
like we were never doing doing the same circuit at the same time. Mm-hmm. So she would come here and I would go hang out with her. Um, yeah, when they were on tour and stuff. Yeah. And I would go to Australia with the band and we would hang out there. So, um, like, um, and so we used to send demos over. And so when uh, Operator Please split up, um, everybody needed a break. And yeah, but um, yeah. So my band split up, and then I had all these demos, and I was like, okay. I was like, I'm gonna do a solo project. Why not? But all these songs, I'll just do it. And uh, I had like a bunch of names, and then I came up with Bossy Love. Stuck. Uh, there's some other pseudonyms that I've recorded stuff under, but that was like for Ministry of Sound stuff. <laughs> like, I, I have pseudonyms for that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, Bossy Love. And I was working with producers in Australia, bringing my stuff to them, and they were like, this is too weird, this is never going to work. Everybody was like, you can't do that. This is never going to work. It's too weird, you're mixing too many things together. And I was like, cool, all right. And it's not like you Um, were Merzbo or something? I wasn't, wasn't, I wasn't. It wasn't, wasn't, no. And I was like, okay, cool, Um, all right. So I felt like I had done all I could do in Australia. Yeah. And so I was like, Dad's British, I have a passport, I'm just going to go. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and so I booked a flight and uh, I'm over this side now. And then eventually I sent him the songs. I was like, what do you make of these? And he was like, oh, my God. And then that's it. he done, first one you did was call me up. Yeah. Um, and he sent it back to me and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And uh, that was it. I was like, yeah, I think this and is supposed to call happen. Call me up, the, the song that's obviously for this podcast. So you've picked songs. Now, your first song, Amanda, it's um, Malibu by yeah, Paul. By Hall, yeah. uh, this is a really beautiful, melodic, upbeat track.
Grohl a band that kind of influenced you? Alright, so the first song that I ever learnt on guitar, which was the beginning of me starting to write for Operator Please, was Celebrity Skin by Hole, because it was number one in Australia at the time. Written by Billy Corgan. Really? Yeah. yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Well, it was number one, and I... Uh, it was always played, and... We used to have guitars in the house all the time. My sister was musical, my dad was musical, but we just seemed to have guitars in the house and nobody really played them. And it was sitting in the corner and I was like, I thought to myself, what would it be like if I picked that up and I played it? <laughs> <laughs> like, what would happen? Like, I looked at it, I was like, I bet yeah, I can play that. And then, so I picked up a guitar. It was like out of tune, horrible, right? I got, I was like, okay. Go on the, this was like the internet, the first computer dial-up, whatever. I was like, how do I learn guitar? And so I was like, tabs, found tabs for Celebrity Skin. I was like, cool, I'll try that song. And then, so I just sat up on the computer learning how to play guitar on these tabs. And my dad was just like, what are you doing? And I'm like playing, he was like, I know, you're playing guitar, what the hell? And so that's where I was introduced to Hole. And uh, so, yeah, and then Malibu, for me, is, like, so kind of... It's the most bittersweet song ever because yeah. it's, like, beautiful, melodic, but it's, like, got so much depth of sadness in it. Yeah. And, like, at the end of the video where she throws, like, she's in the ocean and stuff, it's, like, water for me is always, like, cleansing and rebirth and, and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, that song to me is always, like, melancholy and really bittersweet and... I don't know. It just makes you think of a another time. Yeah. I don't know. Was, you know, even when I was young, I felt a sense of connection to it because I was just mm-hmm. like, do you know, I'd listen to it when it was like when I was like sitting in the car, like when you got your headphones and you're just watching stuff. Do you know? So that it was a great song. time of music. Is that? Yeah. John, you have picked uh, one of the first obscure, uh, obscure track, Serious Mo. Yeah. I have never heard of this artist, which I love on the podcast because it introduced me to something. I'm completely different. Thank you. 
is like a, a graffiti artist from Berlin and he's been releasing since like 2001 and it, his first track was called Mineville and it was like on all the Ibiza compilations and everything it's like this really interesting like disco house song but he's he's like a recluse basically and he doesn't it doesn't like meeting people or going out or um, releasing his stuff even and so I've been obsessed with him since that point and you know uh, Mode Selector? Yeah. See their label, 50 Weapons? Yeah. They started it simply to put out Serious Mo. Like, they've said that in interviews. The whole reason that label exists is for this wow. guy. Because he just doesn't... He just does his, his graffiti and his uh, digital stuff and all that. So, um, he has, like, maybe 100 tracks released now. He just... He's, like, an absolute machine. And all his stuff is, like... It has this huge playfulness... But he's like some mad virtuoso with chords, so everything's really sort of sad, uh, and none of it is f- is particularly for the dance floor. But it gets DJ'd a lot yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, and I was at I was at Melt Festival, and I met him, and I had what? been yeah. Oh, I met him in the line for the toilets, and I fucking lost it like completely. <laughs> like I lost my mind. <laughs> Because no one knows what this guy looks like, so he's never been, like, wee guides before. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, wait, and I'd been drinking Jägermeister all day, and I, I turn around, and I'm like, that's fucking sick. And I, and I grab him, and I'm like, <gasps> and he looks at me, he's, he's like a recluse, he's like a shy wee guy. And I'm, like, shaking him, like, oh my god. And he doesn't speak any English. He only speaks German. Oh no. So I get out my iPhone, and I'm showing him that I've got everything he's ever made in my phone. And he's like, oh god, and I get my photo taken with him. <laughs> and he looks like I'm a serial killer. And every time the guy puts something out, I'm like, he's like my hero. Right. Just like, he has everything covered. He's he, he's not overly... He's like an amazing producer who... It, it, it's not like he's trying or overanalyzing. It's just like really free. So your next track? Yeah. Are we going for Lauren Hill? Yeah. Okay, X Factor. X Factor, okay. So, Lauren Hill, Fuji's. Yeah, okay, so. Fuji, <laughs> Lauren Hill and the Fuji's was the first time that I realised that maybe I could sing in public. Right. Um, I <laughs> entered the talent quest when I was in eighth grade when I looked like a little brown dumpling potato (laughs) and I did my hair so tight that my sister used to call me sumo because I was like you know (laughs) but whatever what's a a talent quest a talent quest at school we we had this thing called talent quest and everybody enters and they do heats and then they do a final so it's like a school talent so I was in eighth grade and I was like I used to sing along to I okay so let's go back even further I was living in New Zealand and there used to be this record store and used to have a bargain bin at the front with cassette tapes this is cassette tapes I was maybe seven seven years old and I was digging through the, ca- the cassette tapes and I was like I found the Fuji's record on cassette tape 
and I didn't know anything about them, didn't know what it was. I just was like, that cover looks really great. I'm going to buy this. And it was $1. So I bought it and I listened to it every day for like the next year.
and that's how I became like obsessed with Fuji's and Lauren Hill and so I had always had that and then when she went solo and the whoop that thing came out oh, that wow. record for me was eighth grade um and but then I was like I wonder if I could if I am brave enough to enter the talent quest oh. so I entered and I sang killing me softly right and like this little kid <laughs> on stage like singing Lauren Hill and like going for it and uh yeah, I, you know, this eighth grade, this is like a, with, with people in 12th grade, like, and I'm just, you know, I'm going to give this a go oh, in front boy. of the entire school. I ended up coming second. <laughs> there you go. See if you had been on the, the internet, see if YouTube had been around then, yeah. you'd be viral now. So, but like, so yeah, I say there was a girl, I did a duet with my friend Sophie and, um, yeah, and, uh, came second in it. And, uh, yeah, and that's kind of when I started singing in public. Do you remember? It was always Lauren Hill, though. It was always every talent quest I would do Lauren Hill. The next I did Everything is Everything, and I learned the rap and everything. Wow. And, like... So brave. I like... And then I was asked to do, for theatre, I had I sang her Joyful, Joyful part from oh, Sister Act. Oh, I love Act, that. And I had to wear, like, the nun <laughs> outfit, and I came out by myself and sang that song. <laughs> So Lauren Hill is like a huge influence on me. Like I don't have like an inch on her voice, but do you know, I think like that kind of the passion and I think in terms of an artist that is like completely honest, she's as honest as you can get. Yeah. yeah. Like that's the song I've picked is X Factor. And like, as I said about uh, Courtney Love, like you can feel that the pain in it. But for her to be able to sing it and make it something so beautiful Mm -hmm. that you're transported. Like, you can feel that sadness, but at the same time, it's that bittersweet thing where you're so, like, uh, enveloped by how amazing and beautiful her voice is that Mm -hmm. you get this, like, burning thing happening in your chest, like, in your heart and your stomach. And, yeah, yeah, so I think that's uh, this song for me is, like, absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. and her voice is stunning but it is like so much pain but like i'm gonna cry oh, no. <laughs> i don't want to cry in the bloody podcast but do you know what i mean like no, it's, I that, do. it's nice you... to hear when people are so passionate <coughs> about an artist though but when you um, hear it you're like uh, and even like the backing of it's beautiful it's like got those kind of birds and it's like it sounds like a summer morning yeah, yeah. pretty much like someone's just opened their blinds and like standing at the window and just like singing but yeah you can feel that and hear that pain but at the same time for her to, to make it into something so beautiful for someone else is like you know the most truthful thing ever yeah it's also one of the one of the songs that we totally bonded over the first oh, time yeah. we it, where and there's we were watching Amy Winehouse videos and hearing yeah. her similarities in her voice to yeah, Lauren yeah. Hill. Like there's, that's what I loved about Amy Winehouse's voice as well is that you can hear that she loves Lauren Hill. There's certain pronunciations where you're like, oh, Lauren. <laughs> I mean, I'm not taking away from Amy Winehouse whatsoever, but yeah, like, she's the best. yeah. Back to you, John. Oh, hi. So how how do I pronounce this, Junin? Junin. Junin. Yeah. See, this seems obscure, but it's not. <coughs> no, I just feel uh, um, insignificant and, and quite stupid that I can't even pronounce the name. <laughs> but um, so, who are Junin? So Junin. Junin. Are... See, fuck's sake. Junin. 
so it's this Israeli composer called Shai Benzer. It's Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. I can pronounce that. Yeah, we got that guy. <laughs> and uh, the Rajasthan Express, who are these 19 musicians from Jodhpur, in, which is like an Indian yeah. province or something. Yeah. Uh, and I heard about it because um, I'd read that Shy Benzer asked Johnny Greenwood to produce his record. And then, so Johnny got in Nigel Godrich to engineer it, as you do. Yes. And also, just, we're going to go uh, record it in the fort in Jodhpur, which is, like, above the town on a rock, and it's, like, an ancient Indian fort. And Paul Thomas Anderson's going to come and make a documentary about us recording it. Rocket, 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 me Elohim. Rocket, 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 me Elohim. Rocket, 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 me Elohim. Rocket, 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 me Elohim.
read this and like shot my load, obviously, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's like my absolute dream lineup, basically. <clears throat> um, and then I heard it, and it's so well pitched because it has all like Shai Benzer does stuff in Urdu and he does like traditional Jewish stuff, and he's like total just this really sort of rayon guy. And then you add Johnny Greenwood, who brings like old drum machines and synths and all that sort of thing. And then all these old um, Indian musicians who are like, but it's all like crazy, like bright brass and tablas and all that sort of thing. And it doesn't sound like forced. It's uh-huh. like so, na- it seems like so jammed out and natural. <laughs> I, 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 I got to see them. They, we, we have the same manager now as Radiohead, this guy, um, Craig ATC. Did you know that? No. So, who's your manager then? Uh, Craig Newman. Right. So, yeah, and this and this girl Jay. So it's Craig and Jay, and Craig and Brian manage Radiohead. So they manage Junoon as well, which is. So how do you feel about that? Because I feel quite, um, quite not well, physically sick. (laughs) (laughs) With excitement for you. Yeah. Well, Radiohead are my favourite band. They're they're one of my favourite bands as well. So yeah, it, it's really 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 cool, really cool. And but you always said that because of what you guys had done individually, and you've been through that whole journey of getting to that level of people knowing who you were and a really successful level compared to a lot of people. It was always a matter of you guys taking your time until things were right for you, and and I think. I don't know if this is right or not, but I feel for you, it's more about you enjoying yourselves this time. Is that right? Yeah, yeah in a lot of ways, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. That, that actually helps everything. Uh-huh. Because if... if like, we, we were getting approached for management for ages and ages, and we had, like, tens... And I'm not showing off, but, like, tens of managers, and we were, like, really overwhelmed, like, shit. And we started saying stuff like, OK, we don't send music to anyone. Yeah, that come, was the first rule. You need to, you need to come to Glasgow to be in the shortlist. Yeah. So, um, some came to Glasgow, not that many, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, and then some came twice. <laughs> yeah. And then and so uh, Jay, who's who's like our day to day, she's like our our manager, came from London and she, we sat down in Pisano's eating pizza and she knew everything about us. She asked questions. She was keen. And she, she is she is absolutely amazing. And it was like. On straight in your chest this is her this yeah. is, well, this is her I had met her previously in London I went to the office and I sat down in the room and I was like she gets it and then <laughs> I, I, I called John straight away and I was like you need to meet her I think yeah. I think this might be the one yeah so you know yeah you and know? That's, that's the difference but like for all the other managers managed other people and had it been us 10 years ago you'd have been like oh that's really exciting let's, let's go with them and because we didn't we're like no let's like we're not in any rush and that's still our method we're just like we take our time and whatever feels right that's what we do
All right. Yes. Where I... Okay, so Swedish music in general. I... Uh, you get a wide on for it. I get a wide on for it, but because yeah. of the knife. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, that's where it started. Yeah. I was like, the knife. I heard the knife. This is now, I should probably put that song on, but this is this is now, it's like one of my favorite knife songs. Um, and lasagna. I think that's cute, that song. Um, <laughs> uh, so I have been obsessed with the knife for ever since I first heard them. <laughs> So, like, um, I have, I've heard everything they've done. I've got everything they've ever done. Um, everything she's ever done. Everything he's ever produced. So, I learned that they had that my favourite Robin song, which is, uh, oh, God, Who's That Girl? Yeah. Uh, produced by The Knife. And I was like, that's why it's my favourite. And then <laughs> Lickily came out. So, story about this. I first saw her or found out about her when... My last man played a TV show in, it was like a TV segment where you do two live songs and it was, I don't know what it was called, but it was in the Academy in London. TFI Friday. I don't, no, I don't know what it was, but uh, so we were playing. Let's just say it was. We were playing in one room, and it was kind of like a Jules Holland style setup where we go straight to the other person. So we were on this side, and literally were on that side, and now there was this like beautiful, short, small girl with like long hair, and she was like dancing, and uh, she was. It was uh, uh, her first single that she had released. Um, that she was playing and I was like oh my god this is really cool what is this so I went and I did a bit of stalking on her so I've liked her ever since then and I've seen her like maybe two or three times since then but she's also another one that makes these like uh, dance floor heartbreak songs Um, but this particular song Love Me Like I'm Not Made of Stone there's a part in it which absolutely like shakes my core like this is this is like a, I think it's just her and a guitar, and I think it's live tracked for sure. Because there's a part in the song where her voice breaks and it's like she's crying. And like when that happens, it's like I want to cry because. And then I did reading up on this record, and it was like she had broken up with like someone she was so in love with, came back off tour, and had no, you know, no house, no boyfriend. You know, he, he left her and everything. And like this. And when I and I watched interviews of her playing these songs live, and she's so withdrawn and like answering questions by someone interviewing her, like she just did not want to be there, like she was broken. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and you can hear that throughout this record. It's like so sad. Like when I first put it on, it's different for her because her other songs, like they're quite full of like uh, they were quite sexy, and there's still that kind of longing for love that chasing down that love and uh there's like a magical universe that she has in the first two records and this third record is like bearing it all it's a bit like a bit slower um but it's totally a collection of songs and it brings you to a a time for her obviously um but yeah this song is like at the end and it's one of the ones that's way less produced it's just her singing with a guitar and there's one line in the in the last chorus of it where her voice just and it's like she's just started crying during the take and yeah fuck it gets me it gets me you guys hadn't picked your songs till you came here which frankly I find quite insulting I'm but, so sorry um, and you've changed them <laughs> about 15 times so far and I'm not exaggerating so <laughs> 
You've uh, your next song, John, is the dream. All yeah. I need. Let's go, leave everything and let's go To a place where no one else can know Let's run, let's hide In a place that no one will ever find
Dream is this guy Terry Nash, who is a singer-songwriter. Who's just written everyone's songs, basically. So, produced every every major hit. Yeah. He he puts out an album every year by himself. Right. And he's like ghetto prince. Every song is about money or sex. Every single song. <laughs> and he's so like intelligent with with lyrics and I think it operates above a lot of people a lot of people's heads and he can a lot of his lyrics can seem quite offensive or like backwards or something but there's always more going on he's just he's, he's just really really clever and he has this thing that I really like that, that we try and do is where uh, coming from the culture because he's from like he's from Atlanta and he's like he, he must be in his 40s now or something he, he comes from the culture of like standing on street corners and 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 things being throwaway but smart and uh, and that's the way he writes so even when he writes songs his, his lyrics are like funny and then on top of that he just happens to have written like all the big feminist pop anthems he wrote all the single ladies he wrote Flawless he wrote Umbrella yeah all of them and produced them yeah, yeah. He's, he's an absolute machine and like so much stuff for Sierra yeah. who I think is like one of the most underrated pop stars well, she's I amazing. think a lot of people think that though to be yeah, she's she just... is dynamite like yeah. have you seen live shit yeah. hurts like she's what amazing. the fuck yeah. and uh, yeah so uh, the dream was one of the first people that me and Amanda I, I didn't know anybody else who liked him or, or had heard of him I think I sent you what record was it? 1979. 1970. No, no, I sent is. you the one before that. I sent you Yamaha. Oh, yeah. Because I was obsessed with that song. I was like, oh. this is what I'm obsessed with. <laughs> and uh, he's he's really worth looking into. His back catalogue is pretty overwhelming, but do you know when you have an artist who you're just in it with them and everything they put out, you're like, this is my favourite thing you've ever done? <laughs> That's totally my guy. Right. This song is off his last release, and it's... Him at his most sort of heartbreaking Michael Jackson. So, do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's like power. Yeah, and he and he totally he lifts from Michael Jackson and he lifts from Prince and he just he doesn't really give a shit. He's he's just a total demon. No, but he makes it into his. Thing. Yeah. No. Know? Yeah. It's yeah. It's and not... he can sing like fuck. We're forgetting this. Yeah. Like fuck. But he's he's got songs where he'll do, like <laughs> he'll sing about how he can. He can make love to this girl and make her sing like Mariah, and then he'll do an impression of Mariah, and it sounds so stupid, but it's like it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is all, all I need, and it's from I think it's called the Crown EP. Okay. And oh. every track of it. And is, he also is wrote doing... like We Belong Together by Mariah and like Touch My Body and stuff. Which yeah. Was my yeah, he's, he's Look him of... on Discogs, you'll just, yeah, your yeah. mind will be blown. We play a game at home because we're quite sad called What Is That Person's Net Worth? And uh, he was one of the first people that <laughs> we put in. Yeah, also, um, yeah, he, he, he loves to sing about how he owns his, his own, own publishing. publishing. Yeah. Hell no, ain't got more money than me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, I love the idea, though, that the whole, the whole like, embarrassing rapper thing of I've got more money, his take on it is, no, seriously, <laughs> I have got more money than you. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you're, uh, oh, yeah, your okay, last song. so my last song. But it's a big song. It's a big belter. Tune. Big tune. This one. All right, so we just went from The Dream, mm-hmm. and coincidentally, The Dream wrote and produced this one. This is Ride by Sierra. 
She'll be out for the night soon as I had to hit the fellow sweet dream. Wake her up about 30 minutes later, calling me the Terminator. Let's go again. Red zone, I'ma get a first down. Call me Luda Drew Brees, I throw it in. Touchdown. He scores. Luda Chris, the MVP. With a rack like that and a back like that. CC, better CC me. Cause them legs just keep on going. So I gotta put it up, bed. Let the 808 thump and the beat go bump. Cause he right like Around. Ooh, 
probably the best song to get down to on the dance floor. For me, this is the new Pony. Oh, oh yeah. Right? Yeah. So this yeah. is like horny, horny women empowerment. <laughs> Incidentally, we tried to cover Pony for the BBC session and, and they let wouldn't us. let us. Why? That was, it was too risky. Too risky. But he's talking about riding a pony. Yeah, Ollie even had a talk box as well. We did it with a talk box with the whole thing sorted out. Oh yeah. my god, I'm like, gutted. And then we switched to Millionaire Big Police. Have you ever done it live? No. No, oh we really should, god, shouldn't we? Oh my god, do it live, please. The crowd would be like, hone it. <laughs> yeah, everybody hone it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is like, you know, we were, we were talking about it just before, it's like, to John, you and I, this is like a staple kind of dance floor hit. Do you know this is a yeah. real grinder? This is when a real rubber stumper. Totally. Yeah, for sure. But to some people, they don't even know what this is. But guaranteed, when we drop this at a DJ set, everybody gets ratchet. <laughs> ratchet. It's great. Yeah. And if you we... want people to get down and grind and get nasty, get down and dirty, they've had their drinks. Do you know what I mean? This is like when people are like at the drunkest. You're yeah. like, you drop yes. this, and you watch them, just like, oh my god, what is this? Like, <laughs> and if we're, if, we're playing out. A, if we're playing a festival and we don't get a sound check, and we go on and set up, and we're testing the track oh, and yeah, stuff. Oh yeah, we drop this. We play this, and then we're... We're in a good so, mood. Then we're in the midst yeah, to, to play, you know? you know? It's one of those. Yeah. It's just, it's a great song all around. It's like hook after hook. Um... You know, Sierra is amazing. The video is unbelievable. It's even banned because it's too sexy. The amount of material that you've written, um, have, you, have you got an album's worth, would you say, or more? More. Yeah. 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 And are you just going to keep releasing things in your own time when you're happy? Yeah. 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 I love the nonchalant attitude. It's amazing. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Get to fuck. <laughs> no, it's not that. Not that it's just like because we don't, you know. There's not a. We're going to make an album, and then this is happening, and then we will make a second album. Do you know? Yeah, I don't think no. anything works like that anymore. No, because people. It's really sad that they don't digest albums as much as no. they used to. And do you guys find yourself that you keep going back to old albums? Yeah, because yeah. Uh, an album for me is like a journey. It's like that collection. Yeah. Do you know? And these songs that are totally pieced together so well. Um, so it's like a whole, it's an experience of music rather than just like bits and pieces of song. I think it's a journey. You're taking a journey with that artist for a certain, like an hour. Obviously your live show is, is kind of, I, I think it's fair to say what you guys are, are pretty much, that's put you on the map. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. Um, so is it something that you're looking to develop? into something a bit bigger or are you quite happy with the way that it's going just now it feels like we've only played in like three cities yeah and yeah. a few festivals so it would be good to sort of uh you know like find our groove with with this setup and and then let it go from there rather than do that because we, we'd spoke about before we'd even played a live show we were like Oh, it'd be really fun, you know, if we'd done a festival and we could get so-and-so in to play this and so-and-so in to play this and we could bulk up the band randomly, which would still be really cool, but um, yeah, it'd be really nice to, like, really um, road test what what we've got right now and just yeah. see, see what happens. Cool. So your last song, John, is, is John Grant. 
You are at the height of your game, aren't you? Would you not say that you agree, baby? You got your grip all fine-tuned and sparkling. Yeah, you got your board look all worked out. out, out. You are all enlightened, nothing makes you frightened. You ain't got no time to waste on entry-level middle class. You are super silly, yes, pretty and ridiculous. You got really good taste, you know how to cut and paste. What you got is a black belt in P.S. But you can't hawk your pretty wares up in here anymore. Eat your head on the playground at recess. Let you sketch your way out of this one. Your way out of this one, 
resident advisor playlist on Apple Music or something. I just totally randomly came across it. And this is only like six months ago. And I was like, who produced this? What wizardry is going on here? And then I found out he was like in an Americana band and now he lives in Iceland and it's produced by the guy from Gus Gus who are on Compact. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) And I, I just got totally obsessed with that album and it's uh, and John Grant in general and then we, we played Glastonbury and went to see him and he had the flu and he came out and he sang like four songs and I was like crying like this is unbelievable and then he, his voice just disappeared oh, and he was like I've got <coughs> flu but you know we'll just see what happens let's just go for it and then when he couldn't reach the notes the crowd were singing for Aww. him and it was this like just amazing moment and since then, it's been like he's been like the staple of the the long car journeys. Yeah. We just cycle through his records, and I like that every album. Like I was kind of hoping that every album sounded like that, like this really raw sort of analog sound. But the the one after that's like it sounds like Nine Inch Nails or like Electro Clash or something. It's so weird. And the one before that is he still has his little slow country songs, yeah. which I never thought I would like. So just, I just want to talk briefly, in terms of the recording and the production of the tracks, is that all done in-house and that's by yourself? Yeah. Um, and you can tell that, really. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, is it something, you do it for other people as well, don't you, John? Yeah. So who are some of the people that you've worked with? Um, I just did the new Babe album. Yep. Um, I did a project called Sequel. Yeah, as well. that's Tom. Yeah, 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 Tom Nickel. I did that. I loved that EP. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. No, yeah, he has like, like twenty tracks. Certain. And he's, he's a tour manager extraordinaire oh. that looks like Paul McCartney. Unbelievably, like it's crazy. I don't remember him looking like Paul McCartney. He looks McCartney. so oh, he much like Paul McCartney's too. Does he? Yeah. yeah. Oh wow! I didn't really look at his face then. Who <laughs> <laughs> uh, else? Um, I do a lot of like remix yeah. type stuff and um, like remedial stuff, uh, but yeah, nothing else too exciting to be honest. You've got a series of gigs in October. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so you've got uh, Glasgow, Edinburgh, and London. Yeah, um, and your Glasgow ones at the Poetry Club, yeah. which we have tickets for. Think <laughs> oh all, yeah, yeah, fucking all got our tickets already. Um, <laughs> And the uh, so is that is that just because you wanted to do a mini kind of tour? We just wanted, yeah. We're just trying to sort of keep a grip on doing things on our terms as yeah. much as possible. And we were like, "What's the what's our favourite venue in Glasgow?" And you know, you have people, you, you have some people, not not people in our direct team or anything, but you have people who are like. Oh, you guys should be doing like stereo or this venue now, and you should be bulking out. And we're like, mm, no, what's that? <laughs> so we're like, what's our favourite venue? And it's the Poetry Club. Wow. And at London, we went around all the venues, and we there's this little bizarre. It looks like a classroom with a yeah. bar attached to it called yeah. the Men's in Peckham, and it's 
amazing more like this is where we want to do it so uh, I wish you all the best thank for you. the rest of the year and beyond and thank you so much for doing this Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 